You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC 246 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. Looking back, Kyle Marley had a great 2019 and is up over 265 units since May of 2018. Kyle has his bets and fantasy MMA picks available now on MMAOddsbreaker.com. Back to the present, UFC 246 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired on UFC Fight Pass, ESPN, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking off the fight card on Fight Pass is a women's flyweight bout between Sabina Matzo, who is 7-1, and one, and J.J. Aldrich, who is 8-3. and three. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? As always, a couple quick shout-outs here before we get rolling. First off, Happy New Year to everybody listening. We appreciate you guys, and stay tuned for the ride this year. We hope to uh, make all you guys some money listening to the podcast here. But, of course, a special shout-out to BetDSI, our sponsored sportsbook for the Oddscast. Make sure you check out BetDSI.eu. They have a great sportsbook, and that's where I'm going to quote the odds from on this podcast here. And then also make sure, as Brian mentioned, head over to MMAOddsBreaker.com. We actually just recently launched a new version of our website, so check it out. Click around a little bit and uh, see what you guys think. But click on the Premium Picks tab and check out our Premium Picks selection brought to you by Big Marley 3. Kyle Marley, like Brian said, he's up over 262 units or so um, in the past 20 months. I mean, the guy's amazing, and he's a true winner. So if you guys want some extra money this weekend, make sure you head over to MMAOddsBreaker.com. Click on the Premium Picks tab and uh, get your picks in because, uh, like I said, it's worth it with Kyle. Uh, make sure you check that out. And last thing before we get started, make sure you guys head over to UFC Fight Pass and check out UFC On the Line for UFC 246. It's a betting preview show I had the pleasure of being a part of, so make sure you check that out and support UFC On the Line and include the hashtag on Twitter as well to help us uh, on social media a little bit as well. Now, getting right into the fights, this is an exciting pay-per-view card. Of course, when you have Conor McGregor headlining any card, of course, you got to mention Donald Cerrone as well, but I mean, the return of Conor McGregor is kind of where it's at. Let's be obvious with it. That's it is what it is, right? I mean, he's just such a big star, so we're getting to see him back into the sport, which is a great thing for all of us across the board. So very excited uh, about this card from top to bottom. All right, kicking things off, we have an exciting female fight, Mazo versus Aldridge. I mean, to start things off on the UFC. 246 pay-per-view card. This is definitely a really good, solid fight. So I'm kind of surprised it's the opening bout. But that said, the opening line was Aldridge minus 145, the comeback on Mazo at plus 115. Now, current line is Mazo minus 115, the comeback on Aldridge around minus 105. So line flipped, more support coming in Mazo's way. Not really that surprised. I mean, even from her debut, she was the, the popular fighter. She was the one that had hype and buzz around her. And a lot of people were expecting her to do some really good things in the sport. So only 22 years old. Sky is a limit for her. I mean, she had a 
a devastating defeat in her debut. Of course, a lot of people were surprised she lost that fight to Morose, but she bounced back against Dobson and really opened some eyes because she looked a lot better. Now, different level of competition, of course, but still, you could see more of what she's made of for sure. But in this fight against Aldridge, I'm not so sure she's ready for this step up in competition. I believe that Aldridge is at this stage of the game is just a little bit better in most areas than Mazo. Mazo is going to have some size on her. Of course, she has those flashy kicks um, and she does have some decent BJJ even off her back, but I believe Aldridge's stand up, her boxing is going to be better. The pace she pushes, she hits a little bit harder. I think she's going to cause a little bit more damage on the feet. And if there, if this fight does go to the ground, I think it's Aldridge going to be on top as well. So I just think Aldridge at this stage in the game is just better than Mazo. So if you're getting it around a pick em price or Aldridge is an underdog at minus 105, I think there is a little bit of value on that side. So you might want to look at JJ Aldridge here. I think if it hits the scorecards, which it probably does, Mazo um, loses. She's not going to beat Aldridge in that spot. And I think if it finishes, if it ends inside the distance, I think there's a good chance that we could see Aldridge maybe bust Mazo up. I mean, Mazo does bleed a lot. I mean, I actually Aldridge does as well. So these ladies are going to be throwing and catching some punishment back and forth. But what I'm trying to say is I could see Aldridge busting Mazo up along the way in a three-round fight as well. But more than likely, it hits the scorecards. And I believe that Aldridge is going to be your winner. So my pick is Aldridge to get the job done over Mazo in what should be an exciting fight. And I'm right with you that this is a great fight. Uh, both ladies are super talented strikers. Uh, Mazo has that incredible head kick ability that she flashed in uh, LFA. And Aldridge has really improved her boxing. I mean, she's not just uh, throwing hands now. She's cracking girls and rocking them on the feet. So... Uh, you have two ladies in this fight that uh, can dish it out and also can take it. So I expect uh, on the feet for this to be extremely entertaining. Um, what actually Mazo, as Nick mentioned, uh, you know, Mazo improved in that second fight in her UFC uh, against uh, Shayna Dobson. What she really helped her there were some takedowns. And, and that's actually kind of in uh, Eldritch's uh, weakness. Her biggest one is, uh, getting put on her back. Uh, it, it happened, uh, to Tatiana Suarez. It happened, uh, against Juliana Lima. Uh, so perhaps if things aren't going well for Matzo, she can fall back on her wrestling and get a, get a takedown because she does have a very good ground game. Uh, Aldrich is not quite as good on the, on the ground. Uh, she's capable there, but, uh, I would definitely say, uh, Matzo is the better of the two. So in terms of submissions, so uh, on the feet, I think this is going to be really competitive. Um, Aldrich is going to be superior in more of a phone booth style fight. If she can keep it in boxing range, uh, Maso, if she can utilize her height and reach uh, and her kicking game, um, she will have the advantage. So really on the feet, it'll be where this fight takes place uh, deciding who wins the stand-up portion. But I think with Matzo potentially being able to get a takedown or two, I think that that gives her an edge. Plus, if she is able to use that height and reach and keep uh, Aldrich at the end of her jab, that could help her as well. But I think either girl could win this fight. Aldrich very well could win this fight, especially you know if she can get inside and do some damage. She you know, look out. But uh, I'm going to side with Matzo. I think a takedown or two might be enough to, to help her get over the hump. So uh, Matzo is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the Bantamweight division, we have Brian Kelleher, who is 19 and 10, taking on UFC newcomer Ode Osborne, who is 8 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? 
Osborne opened minus 145 to come back at Kelleher plus 115. And right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is minus 145, Osborne plus 125. Line has been bouncing back and forth a little bit. Kelleher getting some action. Osborne getting some action back too. So this is at the betting window a pretty good fight. Man, I love what I see in Osborne. I mean, if you look at the contender series fights, he was outstanding. I mean, even off his back, his striking, of course. I mean, he's just an athletic freak that's phenomenal to watch. I mean, standing because he's explosive, he's talented, he's got some speed, power, of course, uh, a little bit of unorthodox ability, but still pretty clean technique. Uh, he's got a good wrestling base, good takedown defense, of course. Um, and then if you do take him down or if he does make a mistake and he gets put on his back, uh, he's capable of pulling off submissions as well. But all that said, that's all offense. Now, defensively is where I'm a little bit concerned with Osborne. Um, he does tend to make some mistakes still. He's still a little raw in his MMA game, and he's, he's developing, but he's developing quickly, and you'd love to see that. So there's a lot to love about Osborne. And if he could tighten up that defense a little bit, man, the guy's going to go really far um, in the UFC for sure. Kelleher's going to be a tough test for him, so I, I like this fight because Kelleher is an aggressive guy that goes after it 100 miles an hour, meaning if he gets around Osborne's neck, he's going to be trying to choke him out. If he And if he gets... Um, Osborne backed up. He's going to be throwing some bombs. I mean, he does pressure fight you. So, but the problem here against uh, Osborne for Kelleher is he might be getting lit up and eating some big shots along the way if he is putting on that pressure. But in scrambles, you got to be careful with Kelleher. I mean, that guillotine choke he has, he could hop on, you know, unorthodox ways to grab your neck or grab your limb, of course, any limb, whether it's a leg, a knee bar, that sort of thing. And again, I think that's where Osborne might have a little bit of difficulties um, with some defensive maybe scrambling on the ground with Kelleher. So that's what my fear is, and that's why I would be a little bit cautious here. But overall, I do think that Osborne's improved enough to probably uh, defend well here, and I wouldn't be surprised if he even taps Kelleher out in this spot because, if anything, Kelleher does kind of have some suspect sub-D um, despite having such good offense. So this fight should be fireworks. I do like Osborne in this fight. I think he just has way more flashy tools to win this fight. I think he can basically land – um, either on the feet or maybe, like I said, submit Kelleher on the ground as well. If his defense holds up himself, he probably gets it done. I hope he does because, like I said, sky's the limit for him as well. An exciting prospect, and I'm hoping good things um, we see from him from here on out. So my pick is Osborne. I think he does get it done, probably a finish against Kelleher. Yeah, this definitely has the makings of a, a showcase fight with uh, Kelleher coming off of two uh, kind of brutal finish losses and 13-month layoff taking on the UFC newcomer who, uh, you know, Osborne entered c- contender series with uh, three straight first round finishes, including a, a good one over uh, an LFA veteran. Uh, and then on the show, he got taken down uh, quite a few times, but then ended up uh, getting an arm bar in the first round to continue that first round streak. So he's been very impressive, but there are a few flaws. So, uh, Kelleher could put him on his back, but again, Osborne is dangerous there as well. So, you know, Osborne is exciting on the feet. He's got power. He's dynamic on the feet and, uh, on the ground. He's also dangerous with submissions, but, um, you know, Kelleher is a savvy veteran. You know, this guy has pulled off impressive, uh, performances against the likes, you know, Damian Stasiak, uh, but, Obviously, those last two losses to uh, Lineker and Montel Jackson have uh, kind of made him lose a little bit of his luster. But uh, Kelleher is capable of beating some very good fighters. So uh, I'm not going to completely count him out here uh, because he has surprised me in the past. Um, 
but I'm, I'm going to definitely go with Osborne. You know, he's the up and coming youngster. He's got a lot of excitement and hype around him right now. Um, and this guy is capable of getting uh, submissions against just about anybody. Um, I can see Osborne hurting Kelleher on the feet and submitting him. I can see uh, Osborne getting put on his back, maybe submitting Kelleher. I could see Kelleher getting a submission. Uh, I think this is going to be an extremely entertaining fight for however long it lasts. But uh, I am going to side with uh, the up-and-coming youngster in Osborne. So Osborne's going to be my pick. Now, dropping back down to the flyweight division, we have Tim Elliott, who is 15-9-1, and and taking on Askar Askarov, who is 10-0-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Ascraft opened minus 200, the comeback on Elliott at plus 160. And what we're seeing right now over at BetDSI is Ascraft at minus 145, the comeback on Elliott at plus 125. So line margins have tightened up a little bit, more action coming in Elliott's way. Not really that surprised. I mean, if you look at Ascroft, there's a lot of hype coming in to his UFC debut. He, he fought in a competitive fight against Moreno, um, a controversial sort of close split draw, whatnot. Um, and I think that dropped his stock a little bit, right? But hey, Moreno has looked outstanding as well. He's a, another story in his own right. I mean, he's coming off of an incredible win. So um, that necessarily, I think people are kind of maybe holding that a little bit too hard on Ascroft. But that said... Um, I mean, people were disappointed because they were expecting better things from Ascroft. But here in this spot, he has a chance to redeem himself against a very good competitor in Tim Elliott. Elliott, of course, a former Ultimate Fighter winner. He had that legendary performance against Demetrius Johnson as well. And he's always game. He shows up, man. The guy is such a well-rounded, truly a very established, I mean, fine-tuned vet in a, in a way when – I mean, the ability that he has to perform in the cage against high-level competition and the pressure that he puts on in most cases, it's fun to watch him fight. It's fun to watch him scramble on the ground. It's fun to watch him strike on the feet. I mean, he's just a wild man, but at the same time with technique that is in exciting bouts more times than not. The problem with Elliott in this stage is, for me, he's kind of hitting that decline spot where he's 33 years old. I think the best years are kind of behind him, and in his career, he's probably going to maybe – start losing a step or two. I think we've seen some evidence of that um, recently as well. I mean, he's been a little bit hot and cold, but that said, in this spot here, Ascroft, like I, I said, he's going to get a spot where he can actually come in here and pick off a, a veteran like Tim Elliott and get back on track a little bit for him here. And I think he can realistically get it done against Elliott because I, it, this fight kind of matches up well because both these guys, I think it's going to be competitive first of all. So let me say that. So the early action coming in on Elliott, I understand it because I don't think this is going to be a blowout per se, unless Ascroft does submit Elliott early on in this fight, but I think it's possible for Ascroft to maybe catch him along the way as they go. I just don't think it's going to be in round one or not. So that said, I think Ascroft can hang with Elliott a little bit on the feet, but he's going to have more success on the ground. And I think that's his blueprint and path to victory. And from what we've seen from Elliott recently, I think he's going to be able to do it at this point and again, at this stage of his career. So I think Ascroft does get it done. I'm just not as confident as a lot of people are out there about uh, Ascroft in this spot because I think Elliott will be competitive. So I personally am going to pass on this fight, but I'm going to pick Ascroft to win. This is a difficult one for me to bet because I think it probably will comp be competitive if Ascroft does not sub him. And if it hits a scorecard, you know how judges go. You just never know. They're a wild card. So for me, I'm staying away from it, but I'll pick Ascroft in what should be a win he should be able to manage and get that marquee victory that he really is looking for at this point of his career as well. And I'm going to side with Ascroft as well. Um, I'm just really impressed with the pressure he puts on his opponents and how aggressive he is going for uh, submissions, especially a, a good choke. And as we know with Elliot, um, he is a, a very good fighter and he 
can be overly aggressive at times and he can leave his neck out there. Now he has alternated wins and losses, uh, ever since that Demetrius Johnson, uh, title performance and he is coming off of a loss. So, you know, if you're going on that way, you'd think, Hey, you know, maybe he'll get the win here. But, uh, as Nick said, uh, Elliot is getting older now, you know, 33 years old in the featherweight division is like, you know, 45 in, uh, you know, the heavyweight division. So, um, you need to have those speed, that speed and reflexes. And uh, I think that he is starting to slow down just a little bit. Um, and we saw that against uh, Figueredo. We saw it against uh, Ben Wen. Um, you gotta remember his last, his last win at flyweight was uh, a while ago. His last, uh, non-flyweight win was a bantamweight fight. So, um, now, uh, with Elliot, I, I just feel like he leaves his neck out there a little bit too often sometimes. And, uh, you saw it when he was a, a little overly aggressive trying to take Joseph Benavidez down, got guillotine choked. Um, most recently he got a rear naked choked by Figueredo and I can see him shooting in for a takedown and Askarov diving on a guillotine choke and tapping him out. So, uh, I think this is going to be a, a fun fight while it lasts, but I, my, uh, my take is I think Askarov at some point gets a hold of that neck, whether it's a rear naked choke, whether it's a guillotine choke, whatever type of choke, I think uh, Askarov is going to be able to pull off this submission here, uh, especially after, um, you know, the performance he put on in hostile territory in Mexico City, where uh, went to a draw, but I definitely left me wanting a little bit. So I, I think Askarov uh, pays us back here with a quality win against a, a name opponent in the flyweight division. Now, moving all the way up to the light heavyweight division, we have Alexa Kamer, who is 5-0, taking on Justin Ledette, who is 9-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Ledette opened minus 170, the comeback on Kamer at plus 140. And right now what you're seeing over at BetDSI is minus 115 Kamer, the comeback on Ledette, minus 105. So line margins have tightened up. The line flipped where... Kamer is now a slight favorite. Ledette did open the favorite, of course, but there is about a pick em price across the board, and we're going to continue to see two-way action. So this is about a pick em type of fight right now. Interesting. I mean, it really is, because Ledette, I thought, would, would perform a lot better than he has, honestly. I mean, starting off his UFC career, I guess I had a, a little bit uh, higher hopes for him. He dropped down to light heavyweight, and it has not been the best move for him. I mean, you know, he's 0-2, obviously. Thus far at light heavyweight, that the performance against Johnny Walker in his last fight, I mean, how he got clipped by that cook kick and that spinning, it was crazy. I don't know. I mean, I was just surprised to see him get, I mean, Walker definitely has a lot of power and he's so unorthodox that, I mean, it could happen, but I don't know. That just didn't sit well with me. And of course he lost a rakeage before that, not really a bad loss. So maybe we are all underestimating him, um, in this spot, but I still think Ledette just doesn't look like himself, um, at light heavyweight and, and Kamer's one of these guys. Of course, he won on the contender series of, as well. He trains with Stephen Maosich. He has a, a very good, um, overall pedigree. I mean, the guy has some wrestling. He's got some power. Obviously he showed, um, on the feet. I mean, good timing with his knees. So he's got that athleticism as well. So if Ledette shows up like he's looked the last couple of fights, I think Kamer could probably take him here. But again, I think this is going to be a big step up for Kamer as well, though, because Ledette, if he shows up and he's capable of performing, like I think or I was expecting him to, um, in a few fights back, uh, you know, if he gets kind of finds himself at, or at least the Ledette that we saw at heavyweight, if he can kind of show up here a little bit more then he has a shot to win this fight as well. So, um, again, this is going to be a big test for Kamer. I think if Kamer 
passes this test like I think he will. I think he has the ability to possibly finish Ledet um, in this fight as well. I think he's going to open some eyes and then we can get uh, behind him a little bit more. But at this point, I'm going to pick him to win. But another difficult one for me to bet because, like I said, I want to see Kamer kind of pass this test. This is definitely the, the toughest opponent he's had to face, whether he loved Ledet or not. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, he's definitely the best fighter that Kamer's fought. So I think that uh, Kamer's going to have his hands full, but I think he can pass that test. So another difficult pick him type of fight. I understand it, but that's the way it should be, right? I mean, it's a pick him right now for a reason. I do lean Kamer's way, but not a confident pick. And I'm, I'm going the same way here. Uh, Kamer is, you know, super talented. He trains with, uh, Stipe Miosic. Uh, so you know that he's getting some quality, uh, sparring in. Um, you know, this is definitely a guy on the rise. He's got a lot of power. Um, the, it's just crazy to see the, the fall of Justin Ledet because he started off the UFC with three and oh in the heavyweight division. Then he drops down to light heavyweight. You're thinking, Oh man, now this guy's going to be a real killer. And goes immediately 0-2 and, and gets absolutely obliterated in uh, his second fight against uh, Johnny Walker in 15 seconds. So, um, you know, he's coming off of that Walker loss. It's almost a year now since he fought. Um, and, you know, I'm concerned. He just has not performed. Uh, the, the previous fight before Walker, he got crushed by uh, Alexander Rakich as well. So uh, light heavyweight has not been kind to Ledet. He hasn't been able to deal with uh, these good athletes that are that have speed. Uh, he he was actually doing a lot better against the slower plodding heavyweights, where he was able to use his uh, boxing skills and keep guys at the end of his jab and uh, and find openings. Um, you know, honestly, he might need to return to heavyweight if he wants to have some success because uh, he doesn't really have the power or the chin to deal with some of these, you know, just killers at 205. Um, and Kamer could be another killer. Uh, you know, this guy has good power, and if he connects, he could uh, finish Ledet quickly. That being said, when Ledet was at his best, he was utilizing uh, good leg kicks. He was utilizing a strong jab, good boxing skills, falling back on his base. Uh, and Ledet is going to be the, the taller, longer fighter here. So if he can go back to his base and utilize that jab and, and his boxing skills, he could keep Kamer at the end of that and potentially win a, a one-sided decision if he can just keep Kamer from getting inside. But uh, I just have not seen anything that made me think that Ledet can keep uh, an opponent from getting inside. Like, it seems like maybe he was only able to do that against guys that just did not have that explosive athleticism, uh, to do it like a, like a Chase Sherman or a Mark Godbeer that he fought at heavyweight. I mean, that's just a completely different class of athlete compared to, you know, a Johnny Walker and Alexander Rakich and, uh, and Alexa Kamer. So, uh, I'm going to side with Kamer here. I think at some point he just explodes inside, whether it's with a takedown or with a, a big right hand. And I think uh, he puts Ledet away. So Kamer is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Nasret Hekparist, who is 11 and 2, taking on Drew Dober, who is 21 and 9. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Hakparis open minus 335, the comeback on Dober plus 260. Right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI, Hakparis minus 335, the comeback plus 275. Line margins have tightened up a little bit. Um, there has been two action coming into this fight, a little bit of a drop. Now we're seeing Hakparis climb back up a little bit as well. So 
good spot. Decent opener, solid line. I think overall, Huck Parst is one of these guys, man. I mean, at lightweight, he's definitely one of my favorite up-and-comers. I mean, again, another guy that's young. Um, I believe he's only 24 years old, and you could see the growth in his game from his UFC debut to where he's at now. I mean, it's really something. And I think that this guy, again, he's got the total package. I mean, he's a complete fighter. He's got decent wrestling, decent takedown defense, obviously. Um, he's got good fight IQ. He's got that knockout power, that killer instinct. He's training at a good camp. I mean, a lot of good around Huck Parrish right now. Now he's facing a very tough opponent, though, Dober. I mean, I don't think he's ever been better in his career to be honest with you. I mean, the guy has been around this sport for so long um, and, you know, he finally got his shot. Now it's been a, a years ago in the UFC, but he was one of those journeyman fighters that were looking to get in into the UFC and he finally made it in and he's really opened up some eyes. Kind of been hit or miss at times, you know, I mean, but overall, I think he's been underrated throughout his career because he's an outstanding fighter. Um, and he's made that transition to elevation fight team. And I think that's done wonders for him as well. So these guys have definitely lined themselves up, both of them in the right direction as far as camps go. And it's really impacted their careers in a positive way. So this is an outstanding fight. I really do think that I think that Dober, like I said, he's in a good spot in his career right now. He's going to come in here with confidence, looking um, to upset the up and coming, you know, rising prospect. He knows what the game is here. Dober's not an idiot. So, He's going to show up here, but I don't think it's going to be enough. No matter what he could do, I think Akpars is just better than him right now. He's younger. I think he's going to be faster. He's going to be stronger. It's going to be a tough fight. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's just going to be Akpars one step ahead of him. I think he's going to be the one doing a little bit more damage. He's going to take some too as well, but I, I find it hard to believe that Akpars is going to lose to Dober in this matchup, even if it is a competitive fight, and I do have respect for Dober. So for me, it's a tough one to bet straight at the betting window where it is right now, of course, because I do have to respect Dober, but I mean, as far as maybe some prop options or parlay options as far as that goes, maybe you could look at Hakparist there because I do think he probably gets it done. So my pick hiccup is Hakparist to get the job done over Dober. And I'm right with you. Uh, I'm a big fan of both of these guys. Uh, Hakparist has really uh, turned a corner for me uh, with the, the the three straight wins, quality performances, and uh, he's really showcased uh, some speed, power. Uh, this is definitely a guy on the serious rise in the lightweight division. And uh, Dober's no joke. I mean, he's been around the UFC for a while now, and he's been able to stick around, and he has consistently uh, added to his game. Uh, when he debuted in the UFC, he was more of a guy that just pushed a strong pace, had a good tempo, um, could take a shot. Uh, but now he's added a lot of more power to his game. Uh, he, he, just, he just hits harder. He has a really good uh, ability to finish and uh, he can mix in some wrestling. So, um, you know, this is definitely a, a much more well-rounded diversified Drew Dober. So I think this is definitely Paris's toughest test, even tougher than the UFC debut against Marcin Held. And uh, Hawk Paris is going to have his hands full. But that being said, uh, as Nick mentioned, uh, you know, even with Dober adding, uh, some technical ability and the wrestling and the power, I think Hakparist does hit a little bit harder. Hakparist is going to be the taller, longer fighter. And with Hakparist just being a little bit younger, I think he can take a shot a little bit better. Even though Dober's only been stopped by strikes once, Hakparist is one of the heaviest hitters that he's faced. So this is a massively intriguing bout. I think it's going to be a barn burners, one of the better fights of the preliminary card for sure. But uh, I'm going to side with Hawk Parrish. I just think, uh, especially with, as Nick mentioned, Dober moved to Team Elevation. Hawk Parrish is training to TriStar. You know, that is a hell of a gym as well. So uh, Hawk Parrish 
is going to land some shots, and I think that his are just going to be a little bit more impactful. And as long as he can uh, stay upright, um, then I think Hakbaris gets the job done. So uh, I think that he wins a decision, though, uh, because Dober is tough as nails and will probably be hard to put away. So Hakbaris is going to be my pick. Now, moving on to the featherweight division, we have Andre Feely, who is 20 and 6, taking on Sodik Yusuf, who is 10 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Yusuf opened minus 195, the comeback on Feely plus 170. And what right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI is Yusuf minus 150, the comeback on Feely plus 130. So line dropped, more actually coming in early on on Feely. Um, dropped all the way down to like 130 or so, almost, almost closer to a pick, like 125, some spots, 130-ish, settled there for a little while, and now it's climbing back up a little bit towards Yusuf. So I think initially I understand why people came in on Feely. I mean, the, the guy has looked phenomenal recently as well. He's been around for a while, and I don't think he's been, I'm talking about around for a while in the UFC, and he's performed well. He's fought high-level competition, and I don't think he's ever been better. So he's finally coming into his own. I mean, he, the guy has, he's coming off of an, an amazing win. I mean, that knockout performance over Marais was just a thing of beauty, especially in his hometown. So he's coming in with a lot of confidence. And before that, beating Miles Jury, I mean, that, that's an impressive uh, win as well. I know Jury's kind of not the same Jury that we once saw, though. And, of course, Jury's not even on the UFC roster right now. So, you know, I mean, it's still a solid win. Whether you want to admit that it's a good win or not, what I'm trying to say, it's still – even Jury not at his best is still a decent win. So Feely coming off too confident – very solid victories. I think he's at an all-time high as far as mental game and just where he's at right now in the game. But he's facing a devastating, explosive, I think, a fighter that's really coming into his own as well. And again, a young, hungry fighter that's actually a little bit faster. He's, I think he's a little bit more powerful. I know that Feely hits really hard. In fact, Max Holloway even said that he's one of the hardest hitters he's ever faced, Feely is. So you got to respect that power. We've seen it time and time again. But I think Yusuf is just as explosive, more explosive, really. And it hits just as hard, if not harder, than Feely as well. And he's got the wrestling pedigree to probably stuff some Feely takedowns. I don't think he gets wrapped up uh, with Feely on the ground at all. Um, Feely has improved that wrestling pedigree. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, Feely, you have to be really aware of Feely's game in all areas these days. And I think Yusuf is going to be able to kind of fend off everything that Feely throws at him. And I think he's going to be the one actually landing the more offense on the feet. He's going to be the one with the better boxing. And he's going to be the one more consistent landing those hard leg kicks. I think he just basically picks Feely off for three rounds or possibly even finishes. This fight could end either way because both these guys have devastating knockout power and finishing ability for sure. But I think if it lasts, Yusuf will end up taking the scorecards. I think he does get the decision win if it goes to the cards. If there's a finish, I think that Yusuf is going to be the one that probably finishes Feely as well. So there's more ways for me to see Yusuf winning this fight. So I agree with the action now kind of pushing the line back up a little bit more towards Yusuf. I think the line was about right at opener, honestly. Um, and the betting public, again, I understand and I, I get why people came in that way, but I think they're kind of underestimating Yusuf at this point. It's going to be a quality fight, but at the current price, I think it's a favorite or pass situation. And I'm liking Yusuf here in this spot. So my pick is Yusuf and what should be one heck of a fight. Really looking forward to this one. Yeah, this is definitely a compelling matchup, and uh, I think this is going to be one of uh, Yusuf's toughest fights. Obviously, uh, Andre Feely is a very experienced, savvy veteran in the UFC featherweight division, uh, and Yusuf is an extremely hard hitter. Uh, so, you know, this is going to be a compelling battle. Um, basically, I think if Yusuf can stay upright, 
there, it's potentially only a matter of time until he, uh, connects against Feely. Now, Feely isn't super chinny, but he can be stopped on the feet. And, uh, Yusuf definitely is one of the, the hardest hitting featherweights in the division. So, uh, that being said, Feely also does have some decent wrestling, as Nick mentioned. So, if Feely is going to win this fight, I think he needs to mix in takedowns with his uh, offensive striking. Uh, Feely is a good striker in his own right, and he could potentially outwork Feely. We've seen Feely have to come back from behind, like uh, against Benitez. But uh, that being said, uh, Yusef hits so damn hard that I just think you're playing with fire the longer you stand and trade with this guy. So uh, I'm going to side with uh, Yusef. I just... Have to believe in that power. He has looked really good so far in his run in the, the featherweight division. And I think he keeps it rolling against uh, one of his toughest opponents he's faced in his career. So I'm going to side with uh, Sodik Yusuf. I think he gets a knockout along the way, possibly in the second round. Now dropping back down to the women's flyweight division, we have Roxanne Montefiore, who is 23 and 16, taking on... Macy Barber, who is 8-0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Barber opened minus 400, the comeback on Montefiore, plus 330. And right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI, minus 900, plus 600. So the line climbed up from 400 to 900, and it's justifiable. Hey, you know what? I like Montefiore. She is someone that, I mean, if you're a true fan of mixed martial arts, and you're not a fan of Matafari, I don't know what's the matter with you. I mean, the girl has just, she's been around the sport for so long. I mean, she's a truly a pioneer in, in women's MMA and she's improved so much throughout her career. She's one of these ladies that I don't think has ever had the physical gifts, the, just the natural athlete gifts. She's worked really hard throughout her whole career to get to contender status and to get this spot in the UFC and to get as good as she has. She's, I mean, I have the ultimate respect for Matafari, put it that way. I mean, I think that says it all right there, right? She is a tremendous competitor and just overperforms. I mean, in most cases, you know, all the time. I mean, she, she opens up some eyes. I mean, if you watch her fight, you're thinking, what can this girl do to hurt this other chick, right? And then she ends up finding a way to pull off these victories with technique, with heart. I mean, just with the will to win, she's improved so much. So you cannot ever count out Matafari. But in this matchup, what a nightmare it is for her, man. I mean, I kind of feel bad for her because Barbara here, I mean, I don't think Matafari is going to be able to take this fight to the ground as she really needs to do so here and, and probably get top position. But the problem here is Barbara is no slouch on the ground either. So wherever Matafari wants this fight to take place, she's going to struggle. And especially if it's on the feet here, Barbara is going to light her up and probably finish the job. So at minus 400, no wonder people came in that way. I mean, it was a no-brainer, of course. I mean, this is, again, I don't want to say it's a safe fight for Barber, but stylistically speaking, this is a pretty good spot for her to pick off a, a very solid veteran opponent and keep on rising up that uh, ranking and get a potential title shot probably here soon. So, I mean, I, I won't say much more in this. Like I said, you, I mean, I really have respect for Matafari, but this is going to be – an ugly fight for her. I think Barber gets it done and inside the distance it's going to be. So the pick is Barber and where the line is right now, obviously at minus 900, you know, there's not much you could do with that. Maybe throw in a parlay or look for maybe Barber inside the distance. If your book lets her, lets you parlay that sort of thing as well, maybe something like that. Cause I do think she gets it done, but outside of that, you really can't bet it straight or, you know, take that kind of risk. I guess at minus 900, especially if you missed out on the value early on at minus 400, uh, don't be a sucker and, and lay that kind of chalk now at this point. But that said, Barber gets it done. 
and I'm right with you. Uh, Barbara definitely is uh, one of the best up and coming fighters in the, the women's flyweight division. Um, she just showcases, uh, you know, a well above average power, athleticism, speed. Um, she kind of does a little bit of everything. She can wrestle. She can get ground and pound. Um, you know, she's just devastating and, uh, definitely one of the most well-rounded fighters. And at just 21 years old, the, the future is extremely bright for her. Uh, for me, the only people that are going to be able to stop her are fighters with either A, elite striking or B, uh, somebody with extremely good takedown defense that, uh, has crazy power. And, uh, I mean, that's, a very, very small window of the, the women at the, the top of 125 pounds, like potentially only, you know, the champion, Valentina Shevchenko. Um, uh, but, uh, and, and Barbara is getting better every time we see her still. So, um, you know, she's really exciting and, uh, I just don't think Mataferi has a lot to offer her here. Um, on the feet, Mataferi has definitely t- made some strides in the stand-up. She's, she's a competent striker, but I think Barber's just going to disrespect, uh, whatever Mataferi throws at her and just push to get inside and start unloading heavy combinations. Uh, Barber sits down on her punches very well and is able to just go to town once she gets a, an opponent backing up towards the fence. Uh, if she can get top position on the ground, she has devastating ground and pound as well. So, you know, this is just a, a tough fight for Roxanne. Uh, if Roxanne's going to win, I think she needs to get takedown. She needs to get top position. She needs to start going for submissions because that potentially could be a weakness here because I don't think Mataferi has uh, the power to knock Barber out. We've seen Barber get hurt in the Aldrich fight. Uh, we've seen her get a little bit outstruck there, but... Um, then she came back and got a knockout. So um, I just don't see Mataferi having that same ability. Uh, so um, I'm going to side with Barbara here, you know, make it quick and simple. But uh, she's a very, very exciting fighter. And there's a, a reason that she's uh, nicknamed the future. So Barbara is my pick. Now, moving on to the pay-per-view, we have a lightweight contest between Anthony Pettis, who is 22 and 9, taking on Carlos Diego Ferreira, who is 16 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? If I had to open minus 165 to come back on Pettis at plus 135. And right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI is if I had a minus 230 to come back plus 190 on Pettis, there's 240s, 250s out there as well. So if I had a definitely got bet up, and rightfully so. I mean, I know that you have to respect Anthony Pettis. Again, again I mean, I've always been a fan of his. The guy is, is just such a phenomenal, outstanding performer. I mean, getting the title when he did, the way he went about it, and that run that he had as a lightweight champion was just phenomenal. I mean, he was one of the best fighters I've seen. I mean, he could finish you on the feet. He could finish you on the ground. He's just, where are you going to take this guy, basically, at that point, when he was at the top of his game? I mean, just awesome to watch him fight. So that said, these last few years, we haven't seen that same Pettis. I think his body's just not performing as it used to. And unfortunately for him, we're seeing signs of a decline a little bit. And this kind of reminds me a little bit for him, a fight similar to the RDA fight. I mean, I think Diego Fajera right now, he's fighting at an all-time confidence level as well, coming off two huge wins. Hobbeloff and Tysonoff, are you kidding me? Those are two quality wins. So he's kind of, even though he's 35 years old, he's trending in the right direction. He's trending towards a title shot where Pettis is just, you know, he's fighting in these 
relevant fight still, and he's definitely a threat because he, he can finish you. Look what he did at Thompson. I mean, you can't count him out. He still has that power on the feet that if he lands, you're in trouble. And Fajetta, at times, he gets a little bit wild, and defensively, I mean, it is a bit of a concern. So he can get clipped, and Pettis has enough power to really put anybody's lights out. He showed that, right? So we know that. And also, Pettis, on the ground, you have to respect him. He's got those slick arm bars. You know he can wrap you up quickly. Now, that said, Fajetta has outstanding jiu-jitsu, and I don't think he gets caught up in Pettis' grappling game. I think, if anything, Fajetta gets top position in his fight and kind of controls Pettis a little bit as well on the ground. So I think it's going to be Fajetta pushing a high pace wearing Pettis down because, I mean, even his cardio hasn't been the same to me since, you know, the last couple of years. And, and just it's not just the, the same Anthony Pettis. I mean, we've just seen signs of it. I mean, so I think he's going to get worn out. He's going to get beat up in this fight as it goes. And if he doesn't land that kill shot, he's not going to win on the cards and he might get finished himself. So it's hard not to like Fred in this fight. I understand why the the betting public came in early on and took that line up. I mean, I think it's about right. It still might be low at 230, actually, two and a half to one or so. So wherever you can go, this is a spot where if you're going to take a small stab at Fajeda, I mean, make sure it's probably under 250. If there's 230s out there, 220s out there, get the lowest possible price you can, obviously, if you're going to take Fajeda, right? And then it might be worth a bet. If it drops under 200, then it is definitely worth a bet again, right? So it's kind of where the line is where you want to bet this fight. But as it is right now, again, maybe a little bit of value creeping in on Fajeda still, but don't go crazy because Pettis does has that, that finishing power that he could uh, just swipe all your money away with one shot. So that said, I'd be surprised if it happens here. Um, I think Fajeda does get it done. So the pick is Fajeda. And if you bet this fight, I think it's a favorite or pass situation as well. And I completely agree. Uh, Fajaya is so talented and he's on such a, a strong run right now in, uh, the lightweight division. Um, while Pettis has, you know, really been up and down, um, uh, obviously that the Thompson victory was incredible, but he was getting destroyed before he landed that Superman punch and got the knockout. Um, and then he went right back to, to getting beat up on, uh, against Nate Diaz and, uh, you know, Diaz had a very strong performance against him there. And now he's returning back to the lightweight division and he's taken on somebody that is really going to push him. Uh, uh, Nick, when we were talking about this before, uh, started the podcast mentioned that, you know, this is kind of similar to the RDA fight when uh, Pettis lost his title. You know, Fajaya is a guy that, uh, pushes an extremely strong pace. He lands about twice as many strikes per minute as, uh, Pettis. So that's not good for Pettis because he really, uh, has trouble keeping up with high volume opponents, especially if they can back him up. Uh, Pettis gets backed into the fence really easily. That's one of been one of his biggest weaknesses. Um, Fajaya is better defensively as well. Uh, Pettis is better offensively. Uh, he lands a, a better percentage of his uh, significant strikes. Um, but I definitely feel like, uh, uh, even though Pettis is the more diverse striker and more dangerous striker, I can see Fajaya outworking him and just, uh, punishing him over the course of three rounds, uh, as Pettis slows down throughout the course of the fight. Um, and then in terms of the ground game, yeah. Uh, Pettis is extremely dangerous with submissions, but Fajaya is an elite ground fighter. You know, this guy has great wrestling, great top control. I mean, he is an absolute beast there. Uh, we've seen Pettis pull off submissions against good ground fighters before, like Charles Oliveira. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Pettis could pull something off. Uh, you know, he tapped out Ben Henderson as well. So, um, 
I'm not counting Pettis out on the ground, but I definitely feel like if it goes to the ground, it's going to be Fajaya in top position, and Pettis is going to have to pull something off off of his back, which, again, he could do, but I do think it's unlikely. Uh, but he has done it before. Uh, that being said, uh, I think the best chance for Pettis, honestly, is just to land something big. Uh, he still does have the power, obviously. We saw it in the Thompson fight. Um, he still he still can connect with big shots. And uh, Fajaya has been knocked out before by uh, Dustin Poirier. So uh, if Pettis connects with something early and follows through, uh, he could put uh, Fajaya out and pull off the upset here. But other than that, I just think uh, this is going to be kind of that, uh, just the waves crashing and just slowly eroding away Pettis over the course of three rounds of uh, Fajaya's pressure and pace and uh, just outworking him. So I'm going to side with Fajaya. I think he gets the job done. Now, dropping down to the women's strawweight division, we have Claudia Gadelia, who is 17-4, and four, taking on Alexa Grasso, who is 11-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Gadelia opened minus 190 to come back on Grasso, plus 150. And right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI is minus 115 Gadelia, come back on Grasso, plus, or minus 105. So line merch have tightened up. Everybody scooped up that plus money early on on Grasso. Well, at least the sharper betters did for sure, because sharp money came in on Grasso early on, dropping the price to where it is now. And at this price, Gadella, it's actually tempting because I tell you what, I mean, it, it, this is the thing here. You got to gobble plus money either way. If you get Gadella plus money, I think she's got some value possibly popping up. If you have uh, Grasso plus money, there might be some value popping up there as well. I lean a little bit more towards Grasso right now in this spot because of what we've seen from Gadella recently. I think Grasso is working really hard. She's improving her game to a, I mean, a whole nother level. Her takedown defense is getting better. Her grappling defense is getting better. And of course, she's always had the striking and she's going to be able to outstrike Gadella on the feet here for sure as well. It's what I'm worried about is Gadella's ground game, especially in round one. In round one, Gadella has that energy. She has outstanding grappling, good takedown ability, and usually is able to, to beat most of her opponents in that first round. So round one is going to be telling in this fight. I think if Grasso can weather that storm in round one, she probably does get the W here in round two, round three. She wins those rounds. Maybe if even possibly finishes Gadella because Grasso could pick up the pace and she's going to get confidence as this fight goes. And Gadella, we know she starts slowing down. So I don't think it's likely, but again, I, I think there's a good shot though that Grasso does pull away with this fight if she can survive early on. So I'm leaning Grasso's way. I think she could be a very slight favorite. I think the line could be flipped that way. But again, plus money is, is kind of where it's at and it's intriguing a little bit. If you're going to bet Gadella, if you think she wins, I, I wouldn't blame you for maybe taking a stab at submission possibly. I know Grasso has only been submitted one time, but I mean, there's a blueprint to that and she's even though she showed some improved defense, I mean, Gadella, her BJJ is underrated at times, and I think people are forgetting how talented she is at times on the ground. So, again, that's my concern would be Gadella maybe having a really strong round one if you're betting Grasso. That would be, I guess, my biggest worry, I guess. But that said, I think that, again, Grasso, at this point of her career, she's trending up. Gadella, we haven't seen that fighter that's been in there with those classic battles against JJ for a long time. I mean, unfortunately for her, I don't know if we're ever going to see her. She says she's re kind of refocused, rededicated herself to her career and fighting. We'll see if it, if it shows here, but I think I trust Grasso a little bit more in this spot as well. So should be an outstanding fight. I think Grasso's ready for Gadella, and I think she probably gets it done. So my pick is Grasso. And I can totally see Grasso pulling this off, especially if, uh, Gedalia comes in really worried about her conditioning and kind of pacing herself. 
uh, like she did in her last fight, which was a very ugly, boring three-round decision that just was not impressive at all against Randa Marcos. So I can see Grasso outworking her on the feet for sure, because uh, Grasso is the better striker. Um, and, uh, you know, Gedelia is a little bit chinny, so Grasso might even uh, clock her a little bit. I mean, Gedelia got rocked by Carla Esparza, so I definitely feel like Grasso could hurt her on the feet. Obviously, Gedelia is strongest on the ground here, and her wrestling is still some of the best in the, the women's strawweight division. And when she gets top control, she can have some nasty ground and pound, and she obviously has uh, great submissions. I mean, she was able to take out, you know, Carolina Kavalkiewicz in the first round. You know, that was her only UFC finish, but, I mean, it was a devastating one uh, against a, a top contender. So, Gedelia, if she's going to win this fight, I think she needs to get takedowns. She needs to keep Grasso on her back, and she just needs to avoid... Uh, falling apart late from uh, gassing, which has been uh, an issue throughout her career. But uh, I can definitely see her winning the first two rounds, getting takedowns and putting Grasso on her back. Grasso is just, that's been her weakness throughout her career. Um, she just does not have the best takedown defense. So uh, I'm going to side with Gedelia. I still think that uh, she has the ability to defeat opponents that don't have uh, the fully well-rounded game. But uh, if Gedelia screws around like she did in her last fight against Randa Marcos um, and decides to just turn it into a, a boring three-round striking affair, um, I definitely feel like Grasso is going to win. So it just kind of depends on how uh, Gedelia fights. But she is training with Greg Jackson's gym, and hopefully they put up a, a good game plan for her, and, I, and it better involve the ground. So I'm going to side with Gedelia. Now moving all the way up to the heavyweight division, we have Alexei Olenek, who is 57-13-1, taking on Maurice Green, who is 8-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Olenek open minus 180, the comeback on Green plus 140. And right now, looking over at Bet DSI, it's Green minus 130, the comeback on Olenek plus 110. So the line since open started dropping and then got to about a pick, and now it's flipped towards Green. So steady action coming in Green's way. The books are definitely going to need Olenek overall in this spot here. And it's a tricky one because, I mean, on paper, you can see Olenek being as a slight favorite in this matchup. I mean, Green is definitely a dangerous opponent, but looking at the career of Olenek and how dangerous he is, especially on the ground. But this guy even has some old man power on the feet that he can clip you with as well. So you cannot take Olenek lightly. But the fact that he's 42 years old, coming off of two back-to-back KO losses, doesn't sit well when he's facing another guy that's capable of KOing him as well. That's going to have some reach and has that kind of ability too. So I think that's why everybody's fading him. They expect Green to probably keep this upright and just land that kill shot and, and put him out and follow up. And he might do that, right? So this is a tough spot for me though, because like I said, I think, I don't know, man, Alinek is a tough guy. So I think people are underestimating him a little bit as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does, like I said, get in, try to get this fight to the ground right away, or just throw a big bomb and, and clip green early on too. So I, I want to know. I'm, I'm going back and forth on this fight myself a little bit. Since everybody's going green's way, I guess I'll go back towards the old savvy vet and I'll lean Olenek a little bit slightly. But again, not a confidence pick. This is true pick them towards a type uh, fight in my opinion. And I can understand why people are picking green because again, I mean – this is a fight. Realistically, if he can keep upright, he should be able to to get the W over the you know the veteran here. So I get it, but I'm gonna go guess the grain and I'm gonna pick Olenek to get it done because, like I said, I think he's 
maybe he got a little bit left in the tank that people are underestimating him about, but we'll see. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him with his eyes closed either. So if you're betting this fight, again, this is another spot where I would caution because they realistically, I mean, both these guys are finishers and it could end either way. So my pick is Olenek. And I totally see Olenek getting the win here. Uh, he is powerful. He's got excellent grappling. If this fight goes to the floor, I would almost guarantee Olenek gets the win. Um, on the feet, Oleni still does have some power, but uh, that definitely gets scary, especially uh, considering he is coming off of uh, back-to-back knockout losses, uh, especially that last one real quick against Walt Harris. Um, my big concern is, you know, Maurice Green is you know, about 10 years younger than Olenek, and uh, he hits hard. Uh, you know, this guy is definitely capable of getting a knockout. He uh, finished Junior Albini in three minutes. He could, if he connects with something nasty, he definitely could, uh, finish Olenek as well. And he's six foot seven with a decent reach. Um, so, uh, on the feet, he is going to be dangerous. Um, as long as this stays standing, uh, Olenek does have power, but he does not have the technique. So, uh, I definitely would favor Green to get the knockout as long as it stays standing. And, uh, this guy is a, a pretty good athlete. He should be able to keep it upright. So, uh, even though both men are coming off of knockout losses, you know, Green's loss was to uh, the, the up and coming Sergey Pavlovich, uh, a really good, uh, potential contender. Um, and I just think, uh, Olenek, you know, throughout his career, you know, he's had multiple times that he's been hurt and knocked out on the feet. So, uh, I think that it's a lot more likely of the two that, uh, he's the one that gets knocked out. So I'm going to side with Maurice Green. I think uh, the younger up and coming guy, uh, gets, gets it done. So, uh, I think Green gets the knockout probably in the first round. Now moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the women's bantamweight division, we have Holly Holm, who is 12 and 5, taking on Raquel Pennington, who is 10 and 7. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Home open minus 290, the comeback on Pennington at plus 230. And right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is home minus 135, the comeback at Pennington plus 115. So line dropped significantly. Everybody come in Pennington's way. I get it. I mean, at plus 230 in the rematch based on what they've, how they performed recently as well, the line is definitely too high at three to one. And I mean, you have no choice but to bet Pennington there because this should be another competitive fight for sure. Plus 230, are you kidding me? You got to take a step at that. So I understand why everybody came in early on that way, scooped up the value, but I think the value probably now is pretty much gone. And now there might be some value opening up on uh, Holly Holm at minus 135 or so, because I still think even though Pennington definitely put up a fight, it was a close fight the first time. Everybody says it. I, I understand that's the narrative, but that was Holly Holm's UFC debut. She's improved quite a bit. Both of these ladies have quite a bit since then, but I think in this spot here, I don't realistically see a finish. I mean, Holm has been rocked. Pennington does have a little bit of power. Pennington also has some submission ability. She might be able to um, to get, if she's able to get this fight to the floor or grab a neck or something in a scramble, who knows? But I doubt that scenario plays out as well. So chances are this fight plays out on the feet. And if it does that way, I think that Holm is, even though she's been clipped, she's been knocked out in boxing, of course, as well. She's coming off of that devastating loss to Nunez. Um, and it's kind of one of these things with home recently. She's been kind of hot, cold. She's alternated wins and losses. And you got to throw that out the window. You cannot, you know, pretty much go by that at all. But I mean, if that's the case, she should uh, pick up a victory over Pennington here in this spot. But again, that's kind of laughable in that way. But that said, Pennington, again, in, in this situation here, she's going to be hungry, looking for, to redeem that loss that she had and, and keep herself relevant and, and 
you know, towards the top of the game. So this is going to be an exciting fight. And if you factor in the judges that in most cases have no idea what they're watching, who knows how they're going to score this fight, right? So, I mean, let's just call it how we see it in most cases. So that said, I do think that home will edge out another decision win, probably 29, 28 type of decision. So I'm going to pick home to win. I think that again, at this point, it's a probably a favorite or pass situation with Holly home uh, getting it done, but you cannot lay too much chalk in this spot. So I get it. I understand it because I mean, again, from the judging perspective, they could just snatch it from you with a bad decision as well. So this should be a competitive fight, um, but I'm going to pick Holly home to get the job done here. And I'm right with you. Um, Raquel Paddington is a talented fighter. Uh, when they fought the last time, uh, Paddington did bloody up uh, Holly Holm's nose. Uh, but Holly Holm was able to utilize her reach, her kicking game especially, to uh, keep Paddington at distance and uh, just land a few more effective strikes over the course of three rounds. Now, obviously, since that fight, uh, Holm has... Not been nearly as successful. This was back when Holm was undefeated, I believe, when they first fought. Holmes lost several times inside the octagon. She's been finished uh, by submission. She's been knocked out most recently by Amanda Nunes. So, yeah, she is a little bit more vulnerable at this point in her career. But Pennington has taken a beating in fights as well. you got to look at – I understand people going with Pennington just because uh, Holm is coming off of a, a tough knockout, but – uh, Pennington got stopped by Amanda Nunes as well, and, and she got really beat up by Nunes over five rounds and finished in the fifth round. And then she got beat up by, uh, Randami as well. Um, she is coming off of that, uh, split decision against Aldana. Uh, so, you know, that does make her look a little bit better, but, uh, overall, I still feel like Holly Holm is, uh, the more well-rounded fighter. Um, she has, uh, added some wrestling to her game. So she should be able to avoid Pennington getting top position or Pennington going for a submission. And uh, as long as it stays upright, I still favor Holly Holm being able to outpoint Pennington over the course of three rounds by utilizing a good jab and kicking game, um, using that reach, keeping Pennington at bay. If Pennington is able to get inside and go to get to work, whether it's in the clinch or uh, just keeping it in kind of a, the phone booth, then I could see Pennington doing some damage. But, you know, Pennington isn't exactly a, a monster uh, power striker either, and I don't know if she has enough to uh, put home away on the feet. So uh, I think this will be perhaps a little bit more competitive than the last time they fought, but I still think it'll be a repeat of history with uh, home uh, working uh, fighting on her bicycle, uh, landing kicks and punches as Pennington kind of plods forward. So, uh, home is going to be my pick as well. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening, we have a welterweight contest featuring Connor McGregor, who is 21 and four, taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who is 36 and 13. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? McGregor opened minus 160 to come back on Cerrone plus 130. That is not a mistake. Minus 160 plus 130. And right now what we're seeing over at Bet DSI is McGregor minus 340 to come back plus 280 on Cerrone. So needless to say, line got bet up from the opener. I mean, it's been out for a long time. Um, even when this fight was kind of rumored or whatnot, and then the line became official. And what happened, a lot of, again, it's more of a marketing thing. A lot of people want to rush out with these lines these days. They don't take huge limits early on. Um, 
but they, you know, they want the publicity and I get it. I understand it. it's, it's a great tool to have, you know, the media companies out there market, but they don't put a lot of thought and time into these lines a lot of times. And that's exactly what happened here. And the cool thing is a lot of these bigger books at times don't pay attention to that. They think, Oh, okay. Books are coming out with a line. Let's just copy and paste because that's what books do. And it's been doing, I mean, that's been going on since the history of time for crying out loud. So even credible books will copy ridiculous lines sometimes. So, um, from offshore to Europe to Vegas, everybody went up with a uh, line under two to one. So we did come out on MMEOzBreaker.com and I hope you guys listened back then because we told you to bet anything under two to one because that line is not going to last. I mean, I was able to get down a little bit. A lot of my friends were able to get down um, under two to one as well. And now the price has just skyrocketed since then. So there has been sharp action betting Conor McGregor up. It's not all public. I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, it's just all the squares betting McGregor because he's the name and all that. No, it's been a lot of sharp money early on coming in. Of course, there's going to be public action on McGregor as well. Um, Irish money's going to be on McGregor as well, but I uh, mean, there is going to be a lot of support as an underdog on Cerrone. Make no mistake about that because you're getting a quality fighter like Cerrone with a price tag of like plus 280 for crying out loud. Of course, you're going to see some support back on Cerrone as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if this line drops a little bit back down. I don't think it's going to drop below three to one at this point, especially with rumors flying around with his, you know, um, the footage of him kind of limping or whatnot, people are, are saying that he might be injured. Um, I saw that as well. It didn't look that great to me, but again, I mean, Cerrone's playing it off saying it's no, he's fine. Every, you know, nothing to worry about. Cerrone's a warrior. I don't think he's going to, you know, let that, anything like that happen anywhere, get to him or whatever. So, I mean, it just, I don't see the line dropping back down under 300 at this point. Probably not, unless there is just a ton of public support that comes in on Cerrone or some sharp action that kind of buys back a little bit as well. Cause that is possible. I wouldn't be surprised because at that price, there's going to be a lot of scalpers looking to buy back out a little bit as well, especially with all the square money coming in also on McGregor. So this fight right here has all sorts of scenarios, all sorts of betting like scenarios that, that happen as well. Just crazy amounts of money that's coming in on, on this fight across the world. So um, a lot of awesome stuff to, to go along with our sport with the betting aspect of things and of course the UFC with the growth and McGregor coming back so it all ties in perfect and I think we're going to get what we all want an exciting fight that's going to probably end in a finish because I don't see this fight going the distance and that said stylistically speaking we all came in on McGregor early on because this should be kind of a nightmare matchup for Cerrone now I have a ton of respect for Cowboy the guy is one of the best fighters in the history of the sport I mean he's proven that time and time again we know that he's a surefire UFC Hall of Famer no no doubt about that. Uh, and he has ways to win this fight. I mean, McGregor can't take him lightly on the feet. Cerrone has outstanding timing and accuracy with that head kick, of course, as well. Sets it up beautifully. So he has to be cautious about that head kick. Um, he's got to be cautious with Cerrone's takedowns as well. He loves to kind of sneak in a trip takedown. He's very good at uh, what he does with those takedowns. And, and then once he gets to the floor, it's a wrap. If McGregor gets on the ground with Cerrone, I think Cerrone's going to probably submit him relatively quickly. So you do not want to see this fight on the ground too long if you're a McGregor fan. I mean, hopefully it's, it's momentarily where the, the point where he kind of has his, um, he's near the cage and maybe his back is up against the cage and he bounces himself back up or he kind of crawls himself back up or something like that. You do not want to see your back exposed to Cerrone. So I'm just giving you the scenarios that Cerrone can win this fight. So he does have those options, but realistically speaking, McGregor's takedown defense overall has improved so much. I mean, even that Khabib fight, I mean, Khabib is a different level. He's a different beast. We've seen that time and time again in, in the octagon with the level of wrestling he has. Cerrone has really good wrestling, but he doesn't have that level. I think McGregor's improved his takedown defense enough to probably keep this fight upright, obviously. And if he does so, 
he should have a lot of success on the feet against Cerrone. I mean, he's accurate. He's one of the best strikers I've ever seen um, in MMA. I mean, with his accuracy, with his speed, I mean, with the power that he brings behind it, just his fight IQ, everything about him. I mean, it, it's a lot to like about McGregor, especially standing up. Now, of course, his cardio is a concern. And again, defensively, especially on the ground, that's always going to be concerned as well. So that's why the line's even where it is. And then with the time off, you got to kind of consider that factor in as well. He's been out of the sport for so long. And I, I, since that Khabib fight, obviously, I mean, but that said, you know, he had the Mayweather fight before that. So a lot of people are just questioning where he's at and if he's the same fighter. I don't think they have to be too concerned about that. I think that, of course, he's going to, I mean, he's getting older. Maybe he's not going to be quite as crisp. He's, you know, of course, he might look like a, a different version of himself, but I still think he's going to be a very effective Conor McGregor and he's going to be effective enough to probably get Cerrone out of there early. So for me, I like McGregor inside the distance or by knockout. I think he does get it done at this point. Where the line is right now, the value's all gone. You do not bet Cerrone, or I'm sorry, you do not bet McGregor straight at this point. Um, you have to pass as far as a straight bet goes. You have to look to bet a prop if you're going to bet McGregor and that's inside the distance or by KO. Now, if you're a Donald Cerrone fan, then obviously you could possibly hop on Cowboy at the price of plus 280. You guys might find some value at that right now in that end or look at a longer shot and Cerrone maybe by submission as well. You could probably give him even more value there. So there's different ways to bet Cerrone. But for me, I think it's going to be McGregor here that gets it done. Um, and I think it's going to be an exciting fight. And I think McGregor gets back to where he needs to be. And that's get a W in his, um, on his resume right real quick and finish off that season that he says that he has planned for 2020. If that's the case, the UFC is going to have a great year. The MMA media companies out there are going to have a great year in general because anytime McGregor fights, let's face it, we all get excited. Whether you love him, whether you hate him, he brings money to the table across the board, whether it's for the UFC, whether it's for the websites out there, just the whole sport in general. I mean, the, the guy is definitely good for the sport when he competes. He brings in so much attention. It's just a win-win across the board. So I personally hope he gets it done. I think he can get it done, and I expect him to get it done. So my pick is McGregor to be Cowboys run. And I'm right with you. I'll keep this one short and sweet. Uh, McGregor has lethal power with that left hand. Uh, Cerrone just does not have the chin to take that type of shot. Uh, we saw it against Justin Gaethje getting knocked out. We saw him get knocked out by Darren Till. Uh, we saw him get a uh, doctor stoppage against Tony Ferguson. Uh, Cerrone's defense just isn't at that same level. And uh, McGregor has the speed and explosiveness to, to knock out Jose Aldo in 10 seconds. So, of course, uh, he has the ability to do that with uh, Donald Cerrone as well. Um, you know, if this stays standing, even though Cerrone is an elite stand-up striker, um, Cerrone can be a slow starter. Uh, sometimes he has to get hit a little bit before uh, he can wake up and get into a fight. But my problem is if he gets hit with something good by Connor early, he might just not be able to recover at all. Um, as Nick mentioned, if this goes to the ground, Cerrone has a huge advantage. He's incredible grappler, uh, but he's not very good particularly at getting fights to the floor. Uh, wrestling has not really been his strong suit. A lot of his uh, best finishes on the ground have come whether he, after he knocked somebody down on the feet or if they took the fight to the ground and then he was sweeping them or doing things off of his back. So uh, I don't see a lot of opportunities for Cerrone to get his uh, grappling game going. Cerrone does have a very good kicking game as well. So potentially he could land something nasty with uh, his legs. But again, uh, as long as McGregor is smart, keeps this in boxing range and really lands that big left hand, I think it's only a matter of time before he knocks Cerrone out. Uh, he is just, 
he hits too hard and uh I know that he's been away from the sport for a long time but he looks like he's in good shape he looks like he's ready to go he looks motivated he's making a lot of money here and I'm sure he wants to make a lot more so uh I expect McGregor to get the job done uh, and I think that this potentially could be the last time we see uh, Cerrone in the cage, especially if he loses as bad as I think he's going to lose here. So uh, that being said, Cerrone is a game dude. Uh, in his last five fights, he's won four post-fight bonuses for three for fight of the night. And uh, actually, he's won five, three fights of the night and two performances of the night in his last five fights. Um, so he's definitely capable of making this entertaining and exciting, but there also is the possibility that he gets finished quickly. So, uh, I'm concerned about that. Uh, and obviously McGregor does have a little bit of a, a cardio issue. So Cerrone, if he can drag this late, he might be able to do something, but I just don't think it makes it late because I think McGregor connects early and puts Cerrone away. So my pick is going to be Conor McGregor. I think he bounces back and I think uh, he picks up a, big-time victory uh, in the UFC welterweight division here. So McGregor is my pick. So that'll do it for a full event breakdown for UFC 246. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAoddsbreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Special thanks to BetDSI. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.